Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To Your Good Health Radio. There's so much misinformation out there regarding COVID-19, from face masks, certain blood types that may help us, and some that make us more prone to getting sick, to all the controversy surrounding the coronavirus vaccine. Who can we turn to for real answers? We have him here with us today, world-renowned integrative cardiologist, Dr. Steven Sinatra is in the house to set the record straight. He's been on the show several times and it's always a pleasure having him with us sharing his great insights. If you wanna know how you can improve your health and boost your immunity during this pandemic and beyond, don't go anywhere, it all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Our next guest is a world-renowned cardiologist. His integrative approach to treating cardiovascular disease has revitalized patients with even the most advanced forms of illness. His four decades of clinical experience and research include serving as Manchester Memorial Hospital's Chief of Cardiology, Director of Cardiac Rehabilitation, and Director of the Weight Reducing Program. He's the founder of the New England Heart Center, where he became known as one of America's top integrative cardiologists. He combines conventional medicine with complementary nutritional anti-aging, and psychological therapies. His television appearances include CNN, MSNBC, and The Dr. Oz Show, just to name a few. He's a best-selling author of more than a dozen books, including the game-changing bestseller, The Great Cholesterol Myth, which has been recently revised and expanded and goes on sale this month. Welcome to the show, Dr. Stephen Sinatra. Hey, it's great to be here, David. It really is. Yeah, so great to have you back on the show. Last time you were here, as we talked about, you end up sticking around the whole show. You became my little co-host. I want to just turn the reins over to you. You're just so knowledgeable. You've got this encyclopedia of knowledge. We talked about EMF, cholesterol, sunscreens, bees. The big topic today is COVID-19. First, let's talk about heart health. Does having a heart condition make people more susceptible to getting COVID? And also, can people with healthy hearts that survive end up with heart problems? Yeah, good questions. It's, you know, it's definitely true that uh, if you have pre-existing heart disease, that's a comorbidity, meaning that if you have a history of heart failure or bypass surgery or angina, uh, that comorbidity could be serious because it could weaken you even further if you do get the virus. So it's, it's, it's important to really keep your heart in tip-top shape. So for those of us without any heart ailments, no high blood pressure, no what we call increase in heart size, uh, you know, no cardiovascular conditions, uh, this, is, this at least is going to give you an advantage going forward. Got that. Great. So with heart problems, they, they need to be a little bit more cautious if they've got Absolutely. that. Absolutely. You must be yeah. cautious with heart problems. You know, even diabetes. In other words, type 2 diabetes or insulin-dependent diabetes. This is perhaps the major comorbidity. comorbidity. And if you combine right. that with weight gain, uh, then you're in triple handcuffs. So, so the worst scenario would be a history of heart disease, weight gain, and also diabetic at the same time. Right. Let's talk about face masks. I know first Dr. Fauci told America, eh, don't wear them. And then he told Americans we need to wear them. And I've talked to microbiologists who say surgical face masks are to protect people from bacteria, not necessarily effective for viruses. What's your opinion on face masks? Do they work or not when we're talking COVID-19? You know, it's a controversial topic. I mean, I know docs that favor it, and I know docs that, you know, uh, you know tend to disregard it. Right. But, but I'll tell you this. I think the problem with this COVID-19 is that there's a, there's a population, 
And it could be in the age of maybe 10 to 20, where um, a lot of these young adults or children, they're sort of symptomatic or semi-symptomatic. They, they might have a runny nose. They might have a low-grade fever, but it goes totally unnoticed because their immune systems are so strong, so they can spread the virus. Now, having you know, said that, I mean, if you do wear a mask, okay, and if you are infected, at the, you know, in other words, asymptomatic but infected, could that cut down on the spread? And the answer to that question is probably yes. So uh, when it comes to a mask, I mean, if, if the person doesn't have any, you know, strong opinion for it, either for it or against it, right. uh, I think wearing a mask uh, in uh, situations, uh, especially in the asymptomatic individual, could be an advantage. So I would say yes. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a portal of entry for viruses is the eyes, and that's why virologists... The eyes too. Yeah, they, the virologists, you know, when you see them, they have these face coverings over the whole face for a disease that's over 98% recovery rate. Shouldn't we really put our focus in on proving our immune system rather than, you know, worrying about masks for that two percentile? Because, hey, everybody's eyes are exposed. we got to protect ourselves some other way, Correct. Yes, and fortifying your immune system, I think, is key. I, I think one of the most important things in this virus going forward is you want to take in less sugar in the diet. I mean, sugar uh, absolutely stifles what, what we call phagocytic activity of white blood cells. So even if you have a sugary meal, this could put you, uh, you know, in, in double handcuffs in a way because at that time – you. you you want your killer cells, your white blood cells, right. your natural killer cells to be very active, and sugar stifles them. So, uh, you know, I tell my patients, my friends, my relatives, when it comes to COVID-19, no sodas, no white sugar, you know, less ice cream. Uh, you know, if you want to have a little poly high polyphenol dark chocolate, that's okay. But again, keep the carbohydrates at a minimum, minimum especially during this pandemic. Yeah, what's interesting, you know, I've, I've been doing this now three decades, and, and I get North and South Pole opinions from all the experts, whether it's vegan or whether it's paleo, or it's whether this, but they all agree on one thing, Doc. They all agree one thing. They seem to believe, everybody, that sugar is the major cause of disease, inflammation, get off sugar. And I have to say, you were one of the very first guests to ever bring that up on my show. So you've been preaching this for a long time, a lot longer than all the other experts. Oh, so. yeah. Yes, sir. And I'll tell you, just remember this. Sugar elicits insulin. You know, and insulin is the most endothelial, unfriendly hormone around. So you'll get endothelial cell dysfunction with insulin release, and sugar is the primary release of insulin. So what you said, David, makes total sense. Reduce sugar going forward, uh, not only for heart disease and diabetes, but COVID-19 as well. Doc, talk to us about blood type. You know, I read a study that showed people with blood types B and AB are more likely to test positive for COVID-19, and those with blood type O are less likely. Is there any truth to this? Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, there are studies, uh, you know, they've done them in actually New York City and uh, Italy and Spain, and and it looks like that if you if you do have blood type O, you may have an advantage in fighting off the virus. In other words, um, you know, this might be another comorbidity. And I'll tell you, there's about 20 of these comorbidities. You know, we talked about weight. We talked about age, well, age, for example. You know, an aging male is probably, you know, the highest comorbidity. But these comorbidities can add up. And, uh, again, if you have blood type O, you know, it's probably a blessing in, in disguise. So if you have it, be thankful. That's all I can yeah. say. Yeah. 
it, it, it may help you. Now, it doesn't mean you're doomed if you have blood type AB or A. It doesn't mean that at all. It just means that you have to be a little more cautious and careful. That's all. It's a reframe. It's a free frame to be smarter. And if, you be, if you're smarter, you can protect yourself going yeah, forward. Yeah, so if you have a bulletproof vest on, you still don't want to get shot because there's the potential it's going to hit you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's you good. can still get shot in the head. Exactly. That's, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good point. Let me ask you this. What about like testing of COVID-19? There's a lot of controversy about that. Some believe the common cold or seasonal flu creates a false positive for COVID-19. And some doc are afraid to go to their doctor for anything non-COVID related because they don't want to get tested, misdiagnosed and forced into quarantine. Share with us your views on getting tested for COVID-19. Well, the tests are always changing, and uh, I think going forward on the second wave, we're going to have better testing. But remember this, David, I mean, you know, there's false positives and false negatives. I mean, you know, people will test one day, and all of a sudden, a second or third day later, they test negative. So, you know, there are small percentages, and we have to keep that in mind. So if you do test positive, you know, you're not doomed that you have it. Uh, if you, t- you you could get tested again and be totally negative. So, again, you know, nothing in medicine is, you know, there's nothing that's 100%. I can tell you that from being a doctor for decades. I mean, things change all the time. So, you know, that's why they call it practicing medicine. It's a practice. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right. that's right. And listen, David, you know it's better than anybody. You go to five different doctors, you're going to get five different opinions. So basically, so, that, that that's another factor. There's a lot of confusion out there you know, uh, in, in, in the medical community, no doubt about yeah. it. And that's why I love how you, you go beyond that. You say, look, you got to look in the mirror, folks. It's about you taking care of yourself, getting proper nutrition, getting proper diet. And you've been preaching that for decades as well. Let's talk about nutrition. Is there anything people should be taking to boost their immune system and decrease their risk of getting COVID-19? Well, you know, right now, my top supplement would be vitamin D. I mean, I've researched this for years. When I was practicing on a day-to-day basis, I tested hundreds of vitamin D levels in my office, and it's amazing. People have, it's incredible. Even people living in Florida or in Arizona or Texas, they can have low vitamin D levels. And the research on COVID is phenomenal. In other words, people who have a low vitamin D level, I'm talking about like 15 to 20, you know, UGs per ml, um, they seem to they seem to get COVID nineteen and they get even worse complications. Now, if you have a normal vitamin D level, let's say thirty to thirty five, these people do a lot better. They don't get the complications. And if you're up around forty to sixty, where you should be, it's even better. So I think you can take vitamin D to the bank, and you know it's easy to take. You can take two to five thousand units a day. It gives you enormous protection. It supports the immune system. It's good for cardiac health as well. So I think vitamin D is a no brainer. It's inexpensive, and uh, there's really no downside uh, that I can see. You know, unless if you have you know a tumor of the hyper you know hyperparathyroidism, or if you have something crazy like that. But two to five thousand units a day is, in my opinion, is not going to hurt you going forward. Yeah. Great. Talk to us. Why do you think people are, are so deficient in vitamin D? It seems to be every time somebody comes and says, I got my blood test back and I've got, I cut them off, doc. I said, you've got low vitamin D. They go, how did you know I was going to say that? Because I hear it all day. Everybody is low well, vitamin D. People are phobic now, David. I mean, that's <laughs> the problem. I mean, you know, here's the deal. You know, people, they, they go to the beach and they they lather themselves in sunblock. And remember, if you put sunblock on, you're not going to absorb vitamin D. <laughs> so you're just, just going to block it. See, people don't realize that you, we, we have cholesterol on our skin. And when the sunlight hits the skin, it forms vitamin D3. 
And this is one of the most important immune-supporting vitamins we have in our body. So I'm all in when it comes to vitamin D. You know, I like vitamin C. I like magnesium. I like zinc. I like coenzyme Q10. I mean, there's lots of things I like, but I'll tell you, when when it comes to vitamin D, I'm all in. Yeah, and the one thing you bring about everyone's so sun phobic. I saw Doc. You know, we're getting clothes that are sun protector factor, makeup, uh, skin cream. But I saw SPF nail polish. Heaven forbid we get a little sunshine in our cuticles and nails. <laughs> Oh we're, my gosh. They're protecting your cuticles from sunshine. No wonder we're so low in vitamin D. Plus, everybody's inside in front of their computers all day. Back in the old days, we went out and played basketball, football. Now we've now kids play it on their video games inside. They actually play the games on their on their electronics. It's no longer getting fresh air. So that's a good point. Talk to us about No, that, no that's a great point yeah. that you just made about kids too, because kids desperately need vitamin D. That's an excellent point. So kids are getting, you're seeing kids low in vitamin D as well from the old days. And Doc, let, let, let me yeah. tell you this. When, when I was a kid, if I was bad and I was being punished, I was forced to go to my room and I would cry and yeah. be American. Now, if they're being punished, they're forced to go outside. <laughs> no, I want to <laughs> stay in my room. <laughs> Yeah, the best thing a kid can do right right now is go outside, walk barefoot, get grounded, and take in vitamin D from the sun. I mean, that's a, that's uh, an awesome thing to do right now. That's so true. Talk to us about high cholesterol. Does this condition complicate COVID-19 if we have high cholesterol? That is a great question. And, you know, when Johnny Bowden and I were you know revitalizing the great cholesterol myth and coming out with this uh, third edition, you know, I looked at this carefully because, you know, it's amazing. You know when children get MRSA uh, staph, you know, it's deadly. I mean, this is a staphylococcus that is methicillin-resistant, and there's really no treatment for it. And, you know, it's amazing, but children with the highest cholesterols combat MRSA. So that's interesting to note. And then we realize that, you know, people with gastrointestinal infections, you know, viruses of the GI tract or bacterial infections of the GI tract, they do far better with higher cholesterols. This is all sort of interesting as well. Now remember, David, I grew up in the New England area. I was a cardiologist in Connecticut for years. We were involved with the Framingham study. and right. I met so many cardiologists who were convinced that higher cholesterols were going to lead to early death. Well, guess what? The highest cholesterols in the Framingham study are in the people who are living the longest. So there's something about cholesterol that's protecting us and again, it, it didn't make sense with a lot of cardiologists, but it makes sense to me because, look, cholesterol is vital for our sex hormones, our bile salts, our neurotransmitters. I mean, there's so many good things cholesterol right. does. Why would you want to kill it? And now cholesterol may be protective against, you know, inflammatory viruses as well. It's just that it is protective against MRSA staph. So I think some researcher will sort this out in the near future with COVID-19, but cholesterol may be a protective factor going forward. Yeah, I'll never forget uh, when you were out there going on shows talking about the great cholesterol myth, you were on Dr. Oz's show, and when you shared your knowledge, he looked at the camera and says, folks, this makes me doubt everything I learned in med school. (laughs) It was such a paradigm shift. You remember that it was like, it is. <laughs> I mean, you showed that cholesterol isn't the serious risk factor for heart disease as we once thought. What can we look forward to in the new edition? Has, has things changed at all? We got some different views. 
Well, I think the new addition, we really highlight insulin resistance even more. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, David, I mean, think about it. There's over 100 million diabetics in this country. That's like one out of every 3.4 people is either insulin resistant or diabetic. I mean, and uh, we really... We really researched this whole aspect of insulin resistance, diabetes, you know, propensity towards heart disease, all that in a new edition. Because my biggest fear is this, you know, every generation outlives the previous generation. In other words, you know, um, if you outlive your parents, like it's been going on for the last several decades, that's right. a good thing. But right. now with 100 million diabetics in the country, this generation coming up, they may not outlive the previous generation. Because no. remember, when you do have diabetes, your incidence of longevity is curtailed somewhat. You know, some researchers say 5, 10, even 15 years. So this is a, we're at a serious crossroads in America. You know, a lot of it has to do with the sugar in the diet, and a lot of it has to do, you know, with the, you know, the way we eat in this country. Uh, but something's got to give because uh, our medical system could crash with, you know, all this emphasis on blood sugar and, and blood sugar elevations, disease interactions, and it, and it goes way beyond diabetes, you know, into neurological situations, Alzheimer's, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's a big problem. Yeah, I know with the great cholesterol myth making such great strides, you know, there's still that old saying, Doc, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And are you frustrated by how many medical doctors still solely rely on the standard HDL, LDL test to determine a patient's cardiovascular health, that that's the key? Yeah, unfortunately, you know, I call it dinosaur medicine. You know, there's a lot of docs out there that just focus on, you know, HDL, LDL, triglycerides, you know. But right now, the newer medicine is we're, we're fractionating um, HDL. For example, David, we used, to, we used to think, even a few years ago, that if you had an HDL of 80, 90, or 100, that was a good thing. Now we're realizing that there's dysfunctional HDLs out there. So uh, going forward, I think the ideal HDL for either a male, a male or a female is around 50 to 65. If you have those numbers, you most likely have good functional HDL. If you have an HDL of 90 to 110, part of it could be dysfunctional. And and, and that's what we're seeing with uh, the subfractionization of HDL, as well as LDL for that matter. Yeah, like I said, so many new horizons coming out, and you're always at the forefront. We uh, we have to talk about the V word if we're talking about COVID-19 vaccines. Uh, you know, some people say the risks far outweigh the benefits for a disease that has such a low mortality rate. Is it worth the possible health risks of a vaccine that's so hurried to the market? What's your view on vaccines? Oh, boy, this is a, this is a tough question, you know. This, <laughs> this, this, this is tough, but, you know, I can answer it this way. Uh, I've only had about five vaccines in my entire life because I'm, I'm 74. And, and I, in fact, today's my birthday. Yeah, I'm 74. Oh, happy birthday. So, so anyway, I can remember, David, when I was seven, eight years old, lining up for the polio vaccine. I remember in my neighborhood when I was a young boy, I had people in, in my neighborhood behind me, in front of me. Uh, I remember going to grammar school with children in wheelchairs and wearing braces. So when the polio vaccine came out, it was a lifesaver. I mean, look at, look at what it did now. Let's go back, you know, 50, 60, 70 years or ahead. Could the COVID vaccine make a difference? You know, optimistically, we all have to hope for a good vaccine. Could a vaccine have a downside? Sure, they could. I mean, you know, some of the vaccines, like the HPV vaccine, could have a serious downside. We know about this. But again, I, I just hope that medical science, you know, goes in the right direction. We make the right decisions. And going forward, uh, if we test a lot of people and the vaccine works, that's my hope. And 
and and and I think we all need hope going forward with COVID nineteen. And and again, if a good vaccine comes around the corner, uh, I would I would seriously consider it myself. Yeah. Well said. Uh, thanks to this pandemic, you know, telemedicine is becoming popular for patients to see their doctors from home. I'm curious, as a cardiologist, do you feel evaluating somebody virtually from a computer really allows you the skills to accurately assess someone's heart condition? You know, if they're asymptomatic and they're feeling good and uh, they can take their own blood pressures and they can weigh themselves and they can, you know, get their own laboratory tests at their convenience, sure, why not? I mean, you know, I think one of the reframes of COVID-19 is telemedicine. I have a feeling telemedicine is going to take off in the next few years because we were forced to do it. But again, I, again, I think it could save a lot of stress and, and, and tension on patients, you know, driving to physicians' offices, elderly people with eyesight problems, for example, or, you know, locomotor problems. So this could be a good reframe of COVID-19. So again, I think, you know, one of the best things about human beings is our adaptability. And if we can adapt to these stressful situations and reframe the situation and and get get something positive out out of it, that's the way to go. So I'm looking forward to more telemedicine in the future, even telemedicine conferences. I mean, David, I used to lecture all over the country. Now I can sit in front of a Zoom or a computer and, uh, you know, give a few moments of my time and and uh, I don't have to jump on an airplane. I'm, I'm all about yeah. that. That's great. I just did my continuing education hours, 12 hours in front of a, a, a Zoom meeting, and the teacher was up there in age, and he wasn't too technically savvy. And um, he had his face focused. He thought he was showing the slides. And his wife brought him McDonald's, and he's oh, drinking, no. a mel- he didn't know, drinking milkshake and McDonald's, picking his nose. He didn't know. And people are trying to type, hey, the screen's off. But then the next one, he talks about nutrition, and you're supposed to stay off dairy. And I'm like, oh, wow, if you knew you just were busted, buddy. <laughs> You know, David, you, you, you bring up a very important point. I tell you, I tell you, the most important thing about being a healer is you got to be authentic. You know. Yes. I mean, you got to walk your talk, and 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 that's what I think people really want. You know, they want their health provider to really walk the talk that they're talking, and I, and and I think that's so important. You know, for all of us in the health profession. I really do. So true. And, and that's something, boy, you do, buddy. You've uh, you've been doing this. You've been a hero of mine since back before I became a doc. So I've been following you for decades, my friend. And I appreciate you being here. In the minute we have left, is there anything else you want to share with the listeners we didn't cover today? We could talk hours with you. What do you got to share maybe last minute or so? Well, last minute, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of targeted nutritional supports you can take, take going forward. You know, I mentioned vitamin D. I love vitamin C, especially with glutathione. I also like resveratrol and, and curcumin. I mean, these are great uh, nutraceuticals. I mean, resveratrol has this impact of, uh, well, it, it decreases replication of viruses in the body. You know, I like astragalus, uh, certainly. Um, you know, this is really good as an adaptogen. Uh, I also really like NAC. You know, N-acetylcysteine, you know, NAC you can get as a supplement. And when you take it in the, it's re- in the body, when it combines with selenium and vitamin C, it forms glutathione in the body. So, I mean, I really like NAC. And there's good studies to show that if you take 1,000 milligrams a day, it can reduce, you know, the, the viral symptoms in the body by two to three days. There's another mushroom I like. It's called AHCC. It's a mushroom preparation that, that sort of thwarts 
uh, natural killer cell activity. And in other words, it's, it stimulates it, but uh, you know, it knocks out the um, uh, inflammatory mediators at the same time. So there's a lot of good things people can take going forward you know, in regard to targeted nutritional supplication. But the big pitch today is less sugar, less sugar going forward. Less sugar, yeah. And a lot of these you're mentioning, are they available at drsinatra.com? Uh, you know, in part or in, you know, my, my, uh, my biggest uh, nutrient, I guess, is Omega Q plus with resveratrol and, and curcumin. And, and that, I also have Chromanex in there as well. I think, you know, whenever you can lower blood sugar uh, or raise HDL or lower hemoglobin A1C, that's very important. So I'm, I'm really big on Chromanex as, as, as a supplement in modifying the blood sugar, in, especially now with COVID. Yeah, you were the one that got me onto coenzyme Q10. I think you really pioneered that. Now it's kind of everywhere, but you were the ones on the you were the one on the forefront of that. And you introduced me to that as well. So I appreciate that as well. Anyway, that's I, I want to wish you a happy birthday. Thanks for spending that with us today. David, that's a thanks so much, day. and uh, it was great talking to you again. If you want to do it in the future, I'd be happy to do it. Oh, we'd love to have you back with your wisdom for the listeners. You're just a plethora of information. Please do come back soon. To learn more about Dr. Sinatra, visit drsinatra.com. And while there, be sure and check out his books and his great selection of immune-boosting and heart-healthy supplements that he offers. And you can follow Dr. Sinatra on Twitter and Facebook at SinatraMD. So it's SinatraMD. And for my daily posts, I'm at Dr. David Friedman. If you heard Dr. Sinatra share something today that would benefit somebody you know, send them a link to this podcast it's available at togoodhealthradio.com or radiomd.com and peruse our podcast library and share these segments with friends family and co-workers and on social media this information is too important to keep to yourself sharing is caring you can also subscribe to future podcasts at iHeartRadio and itunes more to come stay tuned and stay well